What's going on, everybody? Mark here with CCOs, the Science of Fishing. We're here joined today with, by Jamie Bunn. We're going to talk about everything tournament fishing, South Florida fishing, and what you guys got to do to get involved in the scene. You've landed on CCO's The Science of Fishing, where passion meets precision. Hold on tight as we dive in. But before we do, we would like to thank Sea Mule and Black Reef Co. for sponsoring this episode. Thanks for coming, Jamie. I appreciate you, man. My pleasure being here. We, we appreciate the invite. So love to talk tournaments, love to talk fishing. Yes, sir. Yes, I'll sir. I'll do my best to, <laughs> to answer anything you got. Sure. So... Let's start off with what you're known for, tournament scene, right? You started when you were a lot younger, right? You were in college, and you hosted your first tournament. I did. So graduated from the University of Florida, uh, grew up, uh, got really passionate about tournament fishing in high school, um, and found my way back to a local tackle shop uh, called Tackle Depot in Pompano Beach in the summertime, uh, just working part-time to have some spending money at college, right? And uh, that's where we started the first tournament, started okay. a tournament there for them. It was called the Tackle Depot Tournament and uh, was really just designed to get some customers in the door. It was a new shop. And uh, that is the tournament that kind of inspired what is called the Pompano Beach Saltwater Circuit today. It's, the series is 25 years running. Tackle Depot wow. Tournament is, is now our Saltwater Slam Tournament. That's 28 years old. Wow. And uh, we've added uh, a handful of other tournaments since then. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of the Quest for the Quest Sailfish of Series. Of course, yeah. Uh, super hasn't? popular and prestigious. And then uh, this past year, we were hired by the Miami Dolphins uh, to bring back their Fins Weekend Tournament, uh, which was a huge success in its first year coming back. And uh, I'm sure going to be big, bigger and better uh, this coming year in June. That's awesome. That's sweet. So let's go to the Tackle Depot Tournament, right? What were you guys fishing for back then? What was the... So uh, it wasn't these pro teams, right? And all this, that, you know, there's, I mean, there's whether you go back 30 years or you go forward to today, um, there's still always good teams in the tournaments. Right. Right. Um, And I think there was always teams and fishermen that um, were the impact guys, were the influencers that people looked up to. I would definitely say the way the sport has progressed. No question. It's much, much more technical. There's it's very competitive. Um, but the species haven't changed, yeah. um, and there's the format of the tournaments uh, are still the same. Back then, our motto was that they were tournaments created by a fisherman, myself, with the fisherman's thoughts and interests in mind. Right. And that format hasn't changed today. But our species are dolphin, wahoo, kingfish, blackfin tuna, and cobia. And we've got uh, prize money up for the heaviest fish, plus the aggregate weight. We have our Super Bowl style rings for the for the Those champions of the series. Yep, uh, Team Supremacy uh, is our 2023 winner, and uh, they they are fortunate in the 25th anniversary. They've got a brand new design style coming their way. Okay, next year in May. So, Alex and company, you guys have that to look forward to. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, Those yeah, things yeah. are. I've seen them. They're pretty cool. Yeah, and you get to see this one. It's, yeah, it's gonna be wild. Ne- next level. Really? Next level. <laughs> so you guys have that for the Quest for the Crest, right? So we have uh, our version of the rings uh, right. and the Quest for the Crest is the burgundy jacket. So okay, it's, that's think, what it is. You know, Master's green jacket. Right, we've got right. the burgundy jacket. And uh, if you have been fortunate enough to put on a burgundy jacket, uh, you have accomplished what I would consider probably the highest feat and. And com- certainly competitive sail fishing. Some could say competitive bill, bill fishing. 
with um, the skill level and the talent that is involved in the quest for the crest. Um, CCO just happens to actually uh, have a relationship with uh, Mr. Captain J.C. Clear and his yeah. wife, Sarah, who... Uh, we had him on the show. I know, I yeah. know. And they hold the title. They, uh, you know... If, Dynasty is not a is not a is not a word that gets thrown around you right. know haphazardly, but I will say that they're making a case in the case you know certainly in in the case of the quest for the crest. Yeah, they've won four jackets. That's crazy. That's, that's a lot. That's un that's that's unbelievable. Yeah. Actually, uh, when you think about what it takes to win that jacket, and uh, the fact that they've they've done it they've done it on different boats but together as a core team yeah four times and sarah is, won top angler right or she was what was it called she was uh, angler? yeah she was the female master angler yeah. uh actually master angler of the entire series first female first female to ever do it wow which was a huge yeah. huge uh achievement but you know don't don't sleep on Sarah. No, she's, man, I don't she, sleep she's, on her. <laughs> she's super good looking and a super chill uh, uh, girl, and obviously a new mom. But dude, she'll take it to half more than half the guys out there. Oh, I'm with sure her, with her fishing skills. She so. was telling us she was getting elbowed and thrown off the boat. Basically, yeah. <laughs> she's out there. It's like, all right, no doubt. No, yeah. I you know, and I I tell you, I think that's one thing that I I'm really excited about for our sport. Um, I feel like I am seeing um, an emergence of female anglers. And I think females are starting to get the kind of representation that many of them, the light they want shined on them. And right. these are ladies who are really purely passionate about the sport, you know, set aside the eye candy conversations and all that, that yeah. truly love the sport. They want to be considered and thought of as an equal in terms of the competitors. Right. These are women that'll get out there. They'll take wraps on the leaders. You know, they're not afraid to bridle their baits. You yeah. know, they'll, they'll do the things. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's an important step that we're seeing happen over the last couple of years. And um, I really hope that it continues to progress. Absolutely. And it, they can do better than a lot of the guys that are out there. You know, some of these ladies, they have the knowledge, they have the skill, they have the technical aspect of it yeah. better than some of these I'll give you another example, uh, uh, Chip Sheehan, Chips Ahoy. Yeah. Um, he's got uh, a young lady, her name's Maddie. I think it's, it's, she's now become his first mate on his charter boat operation. Yep. Uh, she's, she's in her late teens. He calls her Tig, I think, Tigger. <laughs> but, I mean, you watch uh, Maddie on video and you see what she does in the cockpit. And, again, you know, super, super impressive. Yeah. But I'm sure she's been influenced by, you know, other women that have come before her, like, you know, girls like Sarah, or you take Amanda Sabin from C1, and the list goes on and on. There's there's a lot of good, I think, um, ladies out there that uh, are setting a good precedent. Yeah. No, I absolutely. I think there's definitely more ladies that are getting involved in the sport. I see it every day. Even probably you see it on social media. There's new accounts popping up. New ladies getting into it, and they're catching bigger fish than us sometimes. Sure. So, <laughs> hey, listen, most people don't realize that it's you know, successful angling is is really it's it's more of a finesse game, yeah, and um, than it is like just brute strength. Yeah. And um, I think particularly like, you know, talking about the quest for the crest and competitive sail fishing and just sail fishing in general. There's a, there is, there's an art and there's a poetry to, to sail fishing that, you know, understanding, you know, when to hold and when to go 
um, and listening to the captain um, and those types of things um, are why you see a lot of female anglers um, that, that perform and do very well because um, those guys aren't always known for being the best in the finesse game, right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. No. Well, we're talking about the quest and how like amazing it is as a tournament, probably the tournament for any person that wants to sail fish professionally, mm-hmm. sail fish, fish professionally. Um, what kind of inspired you with the sail fishing? How did you get into the sport? What was your background to make you so fired up about yeah. that? So uh, it's a great question. And I would say to, to, to some of these guys that are going to be watching this video too, like I know it's easy for people to look at like these names like Sandman and, you know, Ray, you know, Captain Ray Rocher and Art Sap on Native Sun and JC, Nick Carullo and, and, and get intimidated, right? Um, understand these guys didn't start there. You know, yeah. they were passionate, they were driven, um, and they've, they've really honed their craft um, be, through the passion, practice, um, and even they're not perfect, you know what I mean? But right. for me, um, it, was, it was the passion for, um, I mean, sailfish, I think, are just a majestic, beautiful fish. They're fast, they're acrobatic. Um, and as you learn more about the species and fun fishing and going into competitive fishing, you start to understand like that it can get, it's super exciting about how you target them, how yeah. you might take and turn a single bite into a double or a triple or a quad. It's just like, to me, I don't do drugs, never done drugs, yeah. but you know, I feel like if I did do drugs, that might be what it would feel like. It's just so <laughs> it's intense, right? It's addicting. And, um, and I think I also, what I also love about tournament sail fishing that separates it from any other competitive experience is you're battling not only the fish and the teens, you're battling that clock Yeah. and, and seconds and minutes can mean the difference between first place and a big payout or maybe fifth place, you know, which is still solid, but that one fish that another team caught five minutes before you caught the same number fish, you caught 10, I caught 10, but I caught my 10th fish 30 minutes before you do, I could win the tournament and you finish in fifth place. Right. That's nuts. That's exciting to me. Yeah. But all the way up to lines out, you catch one fish right before lines out and you jump me. You know what I mean? That's exciting. That's what I think makes that live leaderboard that yeah. people love to follow with the live scoring because it's never over right. until lines out. Well, and sometimes it's not even over at lines out because you have guys that are hooked up fighting fish yeah. into lines out, right? That's true. Yeah. That makes sense. I, we were talking to, I was talking to JC and Sarah about it, and he's like, look, when I say a minute or 10 seconds matter, he's like, I mean that. And most people don't understand, right? right. It's when you're, if you're two seconds faster on this fish and two seconds faster on popping that fish off and right. getting this guy and this guy and this guy, you could have that extra fish yeah. if it's that type of bite and you sure. can win the whole tournament, right? So right. it's like, have you ever like been in that type of situation where it's like the competitiveness is just like insane where you just have to be quick? Yeah. I mean, I've fished my, my career running tournaments was inspired yeah. by my passion fishing tournaments. Yeah. We've, you know, obviously I'm not able to do it like I once was. If I'm lucky, I might fish a, a tournament or two. If that a year on my boat, or maybe I'll jump on with a few of boats. Of tournaments? 
Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> let me go out. Let me go out uh, on the record and say I am not a proponent or an advocate for any tournament directors fishing their own tournaments. All right. Just my two cents. I think it's hard to uh, be the judge and the jury of a tournament or an event yeah. that you're competing in. You know what I mean? But um, so yeah, I mean, you know, as far as like the the experience of fishing tournaments, that really factored in to a lot of you know what i've done and developed over the years in terms of running tournaments right like you said it's for fishermen by fishermen kind of type of deal absolutely so that's pretty awesome so as things progress and as you see the future of the sport what do you think is going to emerge as like what is the next big thing in terms of like targeting these fish you know people are getting better every day technology is changing in terms of what's on your boat and then also in terms of you know tactics and mm-hmm. techniques it's developed like crazy so right. like my i guess my question is how have you seen that happen over time and do you think like what's the next big thing if anything you know it's a great question i mean obviously uh, technology is is moving at such a rapid pace with everything um it's it's hard to predict obviously Sonar um, is is a huge deal in the world of of you know marlin fishing and stuff like that. Again, you know I I may be less popular with some in this particular point of view. I'm not a big fan of sonar in tournaments. Really, um, you know I do like what I'm seeing in some of the tournaments though because sonar at least to this point is is a very expensive proposition on a boat. Yeah, not everybody can afford it. You yeah. know, and I've never believed in you know, tournaments being decided by necessarily, you know, who can afford this versus who can't afford that. Right. Um, you know, I, I will say that I'm, you know, to some degree miss a little bit of, I think the core of competitive fishing tournaments and what made fishermen great, which was relying on their instincts, right. you know, recognizing patterns, recognizing conditions, taking good notes and logs about, you know, what worked on these conditions at this time of year, you know, and, and I think there's a, it's just exciting to see that part of competitive fishing, you know, as alive as it can be. Um, But, you know, on the sonar side, I think it's cool that you've seen some of these tournaments split into sonar, non-sonar divisions, as far as like Calcutta's to where people aren't, don't have sonars, they can get into this set of of Calcuttas. And if they do have them, they can get into it for that. But as far as like, um, you know, as far as the trend, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, boats are, are definitely bigger and, and, and faster and capable of a lot more. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I honestly, I, I I don't know what the future, I, I think probably just continuing to see, Probably anglers and fishermen continue to get better with the technology they have available to them to kind of really master their craft, if you will. Right. And that's what fishing is. It's mastering your craft. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Although I will say, like... uh, it at the end of the day like we can get caught up in all of um the bells and the whistles and everything else uh there's a lot of great marketing that goes along with uh promoting For fishing sure. and, and what it takes to <laughs> you know to to catch this or win that um there's no replacement man for the fundamentals and the right. basics the base what worked 30 years ago 
you know, and was the most important in terms of being a good fisherman is still what's most important today. Yeah. You know, um, preparation, presentation, recognizing conditions, taking good care of your bait, all of those things, you know, um, good communication, good teamwork, like right. that stuff doesn't cost money. Yeah. You just have to work hard for it. That's you all know? it is. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, it's about getting the reps in and, and I think, you know, that to me is also, I, I think an important message for listeners to, to hear is that like, um, I know, as I was saying before about talking about Nick and these other talented fishermen, like, um, I would encourage, you know, whether you're, uh, you know, interested in sail fishing or if they're just, you know, maybe more interested in dolphin, kingfish, meat fishing and stuff like that. Um, most of these tournaments offer a lot of ways for people that are just getting started, even to still get involved, be a part yeah. of the events. Our quest tournaments have small boat divisions. You right. know, uh, there's 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 non-pro divisions. We offer that in our um, our meat fish tournaments as well. There's mid-range divisions for boats 27 to 32. There's small yep. boat divisions. There's there's non-pro divisions. You can get lucky and catch one big fish and maybe win 15, 20,000. That'd be nice. Um, <laughs> on the sail fishing side, I'll tell you, um, because we're rolling it out now, um, we have the Florida Sailfish Cup, which we gave you that shirt for. Yes, sir. Thank um, you. Yeah, man. My pleasure. <laughs> um, what's new for this year that I think – um, teams that might want to just kind of get their feet wet with maybe competitive mm -hmm. sail fishing. The Florida Cup um, has its traditional three-day format. You, no boundaries. You have the entire state of Florida from Fernandina Beach all the way to Key West. Wow. Fish anywhere you want, any day you want. Um, and basically, any day is a tournament day, right? Right. But we also have a one-day format now in the Florida Cup. How does that so, work? Uh, basically when you register for the tournament, you choose which path you want to go down. You can either go down the, what we call the one day sleigh, yeah. which we feel will be great for the charter boat guys. They're fishing all the time. Anyways, they want to throw it out to their customer or client and say, Hey, you guys want to fish a tournament today? Florida cup has a charter division and a one day format, or maybe that's pretty cool. Yeah. Maybe you're a smaller boat, a newer team, and you don't feel like the three day format is right for you because you may not be as competitive in a three day format. Yeah. But anybody can maybe get hot on that one day. Yep. You know, and again, there's uh there's a small boat division in the Florida Cup for boats twenty eight feet and under. Okay. Um, so we're really trying to think about that that small boat gang as far as that goes. So and anybody can get involved. Yeah. The the one point. the one yeah. day tournament is four hundred dollars to get in. Wow. That's, and then you yeah. have, you know, a few Calcutta options. And then for the guys that uh um want to compete at a higher level. Right. I want to spend a few more bucks. The three-day tournament in the Florida Cup is only 800 bucks to get in. Yeah. But there's daily Calcuttas in that because of the three-day format. And, you know, if if we hit the kind of numbers we hope to hit, um, the, the three-day tournament, they'll probably be competing for hopefully close to 100 grand. Right. Um, wow. But really cool in that. <laughs> cool and different, unlike the Quest, where everything's structured. Mm -hmm. Palm Beach is the first leg. Broward in Fort Lauderdale and Pompano for the second leg. Um, we've got a big announcement for final sale, um, in Miami coming up. Can't share that just yet. All right. But no it's, it's coming out. <laughs> um, and those are all structured events, right? Yeah. Florida cup. You have as the, as the captain, as the team, the power is yours. Whatever I want. You decide 
Our website's super cool. Once you register, you log in, you get your own account. You can go in and schedule your fishing days. The system will automatically confirm your day before you go fishing that, that next day or whenever you schedule it for. You get an email with your color card list that you have to film to validate your sailfish releases and stuff. That's cool. So you guys so, combat cheating really well with this, too. Oh, oh yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, no, 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 out, no. Dude. no it's, it's, it's just like a quest tournament yeah. in terms of um, you know rule enforcement right. and uh, video releases and everything, with the exception of we don't tell them when they go fishing. Yeah. They decide. That's pretty awesome. So yeah. that's cool. So will those guys, you know, try to go for like certain species based on where they live and stuff like that? Or, well, I mean, all the, so in the case of the Florida Cup, it's all sailfish. Okay. So, um, oh, I'm can, I'm thinking of okay. You're thinking of this. I'm thinking the of the other series. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now that um, has still has a pretty good boundary, but it's that that covers from like Fort Pierce all the way down to like government cut um, okay. in Miami. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we try to make that a little bit more um, kind of boater friendly to the teams if they're not like, depending on where they're living, there's, they can leave from wherever they want and um, lines in at eight o'clock. So, you know, if you're coming up, for example, out of Boynton Inlet, you know, you can leave your house, go fish wherever you're going to fish within the boundary. And then you come back down to Pompano in the afternoon to weigh in. Okay. Yeah. So they can go, they can leave wherever they want. Mm-hmm. So they know basically the night before or whatever they're planning. Right. And, okay. And then, but weigh-ins in Pompano. Um, so, so with the summer series, we actually have two scale locations. Okay. Again, for convenience, we, our main scale is at the Cove in Deerfield, set okay. up a, bring in a huge stage, uh, lots of entertainment, super fun, yeah. great vibe, great crowd there. Everybody hanging out at the Cove Tiki Bar, watching the way in. Nice. And then uh, we have a North Satellite Scale at Sailfish Marina because okay. we have a decent amount of teams that fish up that way, so it gives them two options. Right, that's awesome. So yeah. you get to keep everybody in mind. <laughs> that's sweet. Hey, I mean, we do everything that we can to yeah. try within reason to try and um, accommodate as many people. Uh, as we can in the tournaments, um, try to not only meet but exceed their expectations. Yeah. Um, it's not an easy job. Right. No, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. It's not an well, easy job. That kind of leads me kind of into the next topic. You know, it's not an easy job running a tournament. And now there's a bunch of tournaments everywhere, right? Right. So you've kind of solidified yourself at the top pretty much in terms of, you know, these sailfish tournaments and all that. But do you see people – is it getting harder to get people to join the tournaments, new teams, because of all these different tournaments? Oh, or? yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I would say that, yes, the, yeah. in terms of the fishing tournament market, it's very saturated. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, there's, there's plenty of great events, plenty of great causes. Um, we're great partners with a number of tournaments and they, I think they would, most of them would all say the same thing. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's winter or summer. Um, meat fish, sailfish, whatever the case may be, in the season of tournaments, I mean, most of the time you could decide, you know, which tournament of two on a weekend you want to fish. Yeah. And so, you know, if you, re- yeah, if you rewind the clock back two decades, 25 years ago, where when I was fishing tournaments, you know, it was maybe the Tackle Depot tournament, it was the old Pompano Rodeo, the Miami Billfish, the Lauderdale Billfish, 
Um, You've won a bunch of those, right? Uh, I have. The, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we won the, uh, I won the Triple Crown uh, years ago in the early 2000s, awesome. which was top angler for the Lauderdale Billfish, Miami Billfish, and the Pompano Rodeo. Wow. That's a super cool accomplishment that I was really proud of. Uh, won the Miami Billfish fishing together with Tim Maddock one year on vitamin C2. Uh, definitely a old school, uh, one of the, one of the best in the game in the day, still a great yeah. fisherman. His son, Timmy Maddock Jr. is a slayer. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah. So I won the Pompano Rodeo once, got close to winning it. Actually, we, we had the fish to win it twice, but we had a blackfin tuna get mildly sharked. Um, that rule is crazy. And that fish, that fish <laughs> cost us, uh, it cost us the rodeo that year, yeah. but we still won the triple crown. That oh, year. there you so go. That, that was all good. That's I, awesome. It was, it sucked losing the, so here's a good story for you. Mm -hmm. So that going that year when, when I was chasing the triple crown, um, I had a boat called perfect chemistry. I started actually out, uh, coming out of UF. I majored in zoology. I was on the track. I was basically planning to go into education as a teacher. In fact, I did. My parents were both educators. Okay. And um, I had a great team of really talented guys that were good friends. And I was a chemistry teacher for my first year out of, out of college. So the name of the boat, the Kong 27 Kong was perfect chemistry. I like that. That's awesome. Yep. And so we had, uh, we had had a good run in the Lauderdale billfish. Um, we were competitive in the Miami billfish. I was leading the standings for master angler. And, but with stuff going on, we couldn't, we weren't going to be able to field the full team for the Pompano Rodeo. So it was just me and one of my best friends, Mike McDaniel at the time. I said, dude, I, I, I got to fish this. I mean, like, yeah, I'm not just going to pass on the triple no, crown. Right. No. <laughs> so he and I went out just two guys on the 27 Kong, fished the rodeo and led the tournament by ourselves wow fishing all the rods the kites and everything and had the one fish that got dq'd on the shark on yeah. the stage otherwise we would have won that tournament as two as a two-man team wow and the triple crown but uh, uh still a good story still yeah, won the triple that's crown. Awesome. so that was <laughs> that was definitely uh a great moment in my fishing career and a lot of meat fish tournament wins along the way yeah um what's your yeah. favorite meat fish to catch Man, that's tough. I love bottom fishing. Yeah. I love bottom fishing. Cobias are up there. Um, I would probably say I'm going to go with I'm going to go with anything that comes off the bottom. Yeah. Muttons and and and, black, and groupers and all that right. kind of stuff. Love catching bottom fish. You just They're delicious. Never, you just never know what you're going to catch when you're bottom fishing. Right. You're not targeting a species per se. Right. Right. You can you could tap into anything. Right. I've seen you do a little bit of like slow pitch jigging, right? I've seen a couple of videos. Uh yeah, I would I would that. I would I would consider myself a non-pro. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I only started to get into it um uh, you know, I don't know, maybe 2 3 years ago. Yeah. Uh uh got introduced to it uh through Mike Lipsky at Real Deal Tackle. Um great support of our tournaments closing the shop. So yeah. uh, I don't know if by the time this video hits, if the shop will still be open, but he's got some killer, killer discounts that uh, he's offering as they go through the closing process. But yeah, um, he got me outfitted. We went down and, and did a, uh, a deep trip uh, on the Yankee yep. out on Pulley Ridge. That's the one I saw, yeah. And I was just like 
killer, right? I was done after that. I'm like, <laughs> okay. I mean, as if I don't have enough hobbies that I spend too much time and money on. Now right. I got slow pitch jigging, but yeah, no, I, I absolutely love it. We've done a few different um, trips and videos on the channel, on the Fish Blue Water YouTube channel. So yeah. anybody wants to check those videos out, we got some killer, yeah. you slow have some pitch killer stuff. stuff on there. Thank man. you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we the most recent trip I did with. Um, uh, captain Chris Seeger, um, he's a captain of uh, Family Matters. He runs a charter boat over um, out of Sarasota, and we went over to hang with him, and uh, we went out and caught some slob American red, snap, uh, really? red snappers. and caught For some. that little two-day season that we have? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it was fun, man. And we For, for a while, um, I took uh, me and my son and yeah. – um, my buddy from our, our hunting camp that we were on a lease together with for many years and his son, and they were doing the dead bait thing. Uh, Riley and I were doing the slow pitch. I was offering them the slow pitch rod, but I, I don't know if they were scared of it or whatever. <laughs> and we were just putting it on them. Putting I mean, hurting, huh? Yeah, on the slow pitch versus uh, the dead bait. Um, but uh, they, they, he, Devin, which was Reggie's son, he, he, he made a charge back at the end and caught two of the biggest reds of the trip, probably okay. pushing like 15 pounds. Okay. Yeah. That's some nice fish. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So, yeah. That was a good time. Yeah. So, okay. So you love bottom fishing. You like the, or you like it. That's your favorite meat fish, right? You know, do you foresee you guys doing a bottom fishing tournament? I feel like there's none of those out there. Right? Uh, you know, it's, it's tough. I, I wouldn't say bottom fishing in Deep South Florida drop. is that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, what's his name? Mutton Man. He might, you know, he might argue differently. He's, yeah. He seems to have, Dude, some he really kills good, it, man. He seems to have some really good spots. <laughs> um, he's braver than I am, you know, taking right. all these, all these people to all of his spots. But what about venturing like to the Bahamas? I know there's some deep drop tournaments. Well, so that... with this, we, we added a slow pitch division to our summer tournaments. Oh, you did? Uh, okay. Yep. And, and there is a bottom fish category in that. Okay. And that, you know, uh, jig pro, um, came on board this year as a new sponsor. Uh, so super appreciative to George. Uh, we got Johnny Jigs and Pompano, yep. um, who I've, who I've gotten to know and a super good, good dude. dude. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm hoping that he'll, you know, I think he'll probably want to get involved next year, which we'd love to have him. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had a, uh, one of our small boat gang teams shorthanded, yeah. like a, I think it's a 23 foot scout or it's a 23 foot bay boat. I can't yeah. think of the, the brand name, but they weighed a, they caught a 10 pound mutton on the slow pitch jig really and uh either the may or june tournament so um we actually had uh i think close to a 30 pound king weighed in on the slow pitch really and, that's um, cool yeah some tunas and stuff so i tell a lot of the guys not to get off too off topic but nowadays with what i've learned about slow pitch jig fishing and certainly how effective it can be like for blackfin tuna yeah. if i was fishing my tournaments i would have a guy dedicated at all times when we're basically targeting tunas we'd be fishing a slow pitch jig really thousand percent wow yeah so yeah. you think it's that effective for i know it is yeah um and i i know that there's been teams in the tournaments that have added a tuna or two to their bag because of the slow pitch jig really yeah that's pretty awesome to yeah. see though yeah and these are good teams yeah. that you know have a great spread of all the live baits and all the right. offerings right but Maybe they weighed one tuna that day, and it came only on the slow pitch jig. It's a different presentation. It's just, yep. it's completely different than anything else. Different the vertical jigging than yep. all of it. Yeah. 
That guy's arm's gonna hurt at the end of the day, probably. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, listen, maybe you, yeah, you, you, you kind of shift off and on, but you'd be surprised. Those yeah. have you slow pitched fish at all much yourself? Not much. Okay, those rods will blow your mind. Yeah. Like, like what they're capable of, and the kind of fish that you can, you know, catch on them. Yeah, and just how light they are in terms of in your in your arm and the technique. Um, I wouldn't want to be out like dropping in 800 feet all day with one right right, without an electric reel but in that shallow water stuff like you know two three hundred feet killer it's it's cake it's really not that big of a deal i've heard of some guys experimenting with having them like auto jig up and down which would be wild yeah that's what i was talking to johnny about it he he has a guy that's been figuring that out which is kind of crazy it's just it's fishing by itself what is that like let's see how lazy we can really get as fishermen i guess man (laughs) (laughs) exactly it's like i mean hey if it catches him fish that's what he wants man no no doubt i get it yeah people have always hated on the uh you know there's there's the electrics right yeah uh, swordfish i'm like listen dude i am not that proud yeah you know we're out there to try and pull a significant fish off the bottom yeah and we're looking to put it in the boat and bring it home. Yeah. You can be mad at me all you want because I'm not hand cranking. <laughs> no, I'm not hand cranking. I'm dropping dude. my LP to the bottom. Yeah. I and mean, I'm getting tight on the electric. Right, man. Absolutely, dude. Like if you have like a 500 pound on there, if you have a nickel, you're, you don't want to hand crank yeah. that. It's going to be hours. Yeah. Speaking of which, my man off camera here, my marketing yeah. guy, Chris Caravello, caught his first daytime sword. Uh, I think like two weeks ago. No way. Did did yeah. he have to take the the eyeball? Did you have to eat the eyeball or whatever. That, you see that stash? You, you, see that, <laughs> you see that stash he's rocking? Yeah. I told him I go, Chris, dude, it's the stash, bro. Right. Not only was it, not only did he catch the swordfish, his first swordfish. A weekend later, he catches his first tarpon oh, with the man. stash. Dude, like, it's the stash. Yeah, and I'm telling, I go. I go, I think you need to go, what do you call the, when it, the wraps down? The handlebars? The ha- I think he needs to go handlebar, Dude, which is the little, like a little biker. trim piece right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, congrats, man. Yeah. That's so, awesome. So yeah. how big was the, was the sword? Well, <laughs> they caught a swordfish. <laughs> All right. That's um, what it counts no, as. It was, just, it was just legal. Okay. But, um, hey, first fish. Hey, fish is fish, man. It's meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, they... Uh, Soaking it up like a sponge, they went to. Uh, I was talking about Timmy Maddock Jr. He and um, Tony, uh, my buddy from Pelagic, they uh, they just had a seminar, a, a daytime seminar at uh, Big Dog Tackle right. last week or whatever. And these guys went and, and they were they were fired up after their their first catch, so they wanted to go and listen in. And they got some tips and tech uh, recommendations on how they could do some things a little different with the uh the buoy rod because they were okay. fishing it too deep instead of fishing it up off the bottom he didn't go with them but he was telling me on the ride down here that uh actually i saw the video of the fish jumping they hooked a, they hooked a fish on the uh uh the buoy rod really? with those changes really right? that's and, so awesome uh, when you see yeah, it come almost together. They, they pulled it off right at the boat but dang yeah, yeah well hey it so. came together the plan you know mm-hmm. that's what it's about it's about learning and getting better every day out there i feel like that's what drives me at least to fish. Yeah. Man. It's like, well, and I think it's like, it's being patient, right? Yeah. Like I started out in a 19 foot Mako that my parents, I was blessed enough. My parents knew I was passionate about fishing. They didn't have a lot of money. Um, but thanks to, you know, um, our next door neighbors, Faye and Dick Don, who were like second parents to me, we called him uncle Dickie. 
he basically told my dad when I was young, he's like, listen, Jamie needs a boat. Yeah. And he's like, well, I, you know, my dad's like, I can't really, you know, we can't afford it. He's like, I'll, I'll go in partners with you on it. So okay. they, they, they went in partners on that 19 foot Mako. Dude, that's awesome. And you know what? There was even like, if you look at it today, you know, where you see some of the, you know, when I was younger, like, dude, a 25 Mako with a single 235, right. Yeah. Was like the 39 CV with quads really? of today. Right. Wow. Or the 44 contender or whatever. So you right? were rocking in style, man. So yeah, no, no, no. So like we, if you'd made it to like a 25 Mako or, you know, a 31 Hydra sport, dude, that was like unheard of. Really? And my point I'm making with that is, but we still put our team together. We put yeah. our time in. We worked hard. You know, we chopped wood, hauled water, as the saying goes. And yep. we were we were relatively competitive. Um, and I think that's, you know, a message for a, a good message for a lot of the teams looking from the outside looking in is, you know, tournaments are fun. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, embrace them for what they are, which is community events for people to get together that have a shared passion and have a good time. And yes, you want to continue to, you want to improve and you get better, yeah. but don't put so much stock in, did I win or did I lose? Right. Because if that's all you ever focus on, you're never going to really be that happy in tournaments. Yeah. You're not going to have fun. The best of the best that are doing this, like nobody's making money at this. No. You know, if you broke <laughs> even, you broke even, you are killing it. Yeah. Right. So like, for the guys that are on the outside looking in, like, you know, be patient. Um, set realistic expectations. And it, it, it can truly be fun. Yeah. Um, but you have to be willing to put in some time and some effort. And like everything else in life, you get out what you put in. Right. So if you're uh, pre-fishing for four days, right. you might get the fish. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and don't be mad at the guys that are, if they're working hard and they're succeeding. Yeah. Um, every other sport operates that way. Right. But it's the same reason, like in the summer tournaments, where we want we're trying to offer so many thing other things for them. From yeah. you know, we feed them at all the events. We give them open bar. Right. You know, we have countless different categories. Like in the summer tournaments, you know, for with your five hundred dollar entry fee, there's over there's close to fifty ways you can win money. Yeah, um, that's pretty know, sweet. Combination of dolphin. First, second, third of each heaviest species, small boat, family, non-pro, juniors, peewees. I mean, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Um, and I think so long as you keep your expectations realistic and um, even if you're not – even if you don't have that team that can compete at the highest level, right, right, there's still a great time to be had. There's a lot of fun to be had, and there's a lot of opportunities to learn by being present most, most people would be surprised, you know, these fishermen, the great fishermen that I know, I have rarely met a fisherman, a really good fisherman, that's not willing to share their knowledge. Yeah. Talk to Art Sapp, talk to Skip Dano, talk to Ray Rocher, the, talk to, the list goes on and on. Yeah. John Dudas, these guys get it. They, yeah. they understand what it takes for a sport to grow. And they freely share that information, yeah. you know, with people that um, want to learn and get better because... We were all there at one time in our lives. Yeah, no, exactly. So. One of the guys I look up to is Ray Rocher, and I talk to him on occasion, and he's always super open about everything that right. he says, man. It's it's awesome. Right. It's great. Absolutely. So, you know, there's 
there's little tricks and, you know, little things that guys yeah. have, you know, Ray may do something one way, Art may do it another. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's not rocket science. I mean, no. it's just, you know, it's, it's being in the right place at the right time, capitalizing right. on opportunities. And what, what you hear from a lot of these guys is true. It's preparation. Yeah. 90%, 99% of the time, the tournament is won before the bait is ever put in the water. Really? Oh, thousand percent. So? Yeah. Because you have to be ready for the opportunities that are presented to you. Right. And when you are ready, when those opportunities are presented to you, that's when success becomes realized. Right. It's the guys that aren't ready. They get those opportunities. They miss two or three or four fish. That's it. Or whatever the case may be. Or they didn't bring enough bait or they didn't take good enough care of their bait and they didn't get enough opportunities. Yeah. You know, it's all goes back to preparation, right? Preparation. And you don't, again, you don't have to have a fast, fancy boat to be prepared. No, you just have to put the effort in, right? Do your homework, know exactly what your game plan is. And listen, give me, give me a 25 foot center console. Yeah. One motor prefer to, and give me my pick of a handful of guys that we can prepare. And I'm going to tell you right now, I will go out that inlet with the confidence that we'll compete with anybody. Really? No question about it's it. It's not about the boat. It's about who's it's on about there who... It's about the preparation. You know, right. don't get me wrong. There's, you know, there's to a degree, yes. Yeah. The boat, the boat is, I would like the boat and the parts and pieces that go along with it are like, they're tools that you put in your tool belt, right? That enable you to to help you to succeed. The boat right? is not the team. The team is the team. Right. But the, yeah. you know, I can't. I'm not going to go out and I don't have the money. But if I had the money, I'm not going to go out and buy a 60 foot Spencer, spend fifty thousand dollars on rods and reels, yeah, and hire a captain and grab my friends and go out and win tournaments. No. Not going to happen. doesn't work that way. Right. You know, it's it's the work that's done before you get on yeah. that Spencer or before you get on that CV or before you get on that contender right. that determines ultimately how confident you feel about success going into the tournaments. Right. In front of me, I have the Flushmaster by Seamule. This little device simplifies the process for flushing your engines. All it takes is three easy steps. Plug the hose into the device, plug the hoses from the device into your motors, and press on. That's all it takes to preserve the longevity of your motors, ensuring 100% clean water is running through them. So if you want to preserve your motors, go to Seamule.com and go pick up a Flushmaster. So getting back to it on your little 19-foot maker, in today's terms, little, right? Um, You guys prepared, and you guys got in there. You know, what was one of your most memorable moments on that boat? Oh, man. There's... (laughs) There's lots of memorable ones. Yeah. Uh, what's so, your favorite? Or like, what's <laughs> trying to keep it from sinking in most tournaments when it was rough, <laughs> make sure the bilge would stay running. Um, hmm. That's, I mean, I'm trying to think of what would probably be one of my highlights. Pro- probably wouldn't have even been. Um, I loved, I loved fishing tournaments in it. Um, 
I mean, I absolutely, every year, I would wait for the Pompano Rodeo and my group like it was Christmas, yeah. you know, and to get out there and mix it up with the guys. We weighed some good fish. But I would say my most memorable moment was um, just a summertime trip with a couple of my buddies uh, and ended up hooking a fish on the deep rod, okay. caught it for like 45 minutes, and ended up being like a 65-pound Wahoo. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. That was that was a that was a great quality fish. That actually, my parents ended up uh, surprising me with a um, a mount uh, from That's Great Taxidermy awesome. um, as a Christmas present. Okay. Um, you know. <laughs> That's uh, sweet. Later that year, afterwards, so that was definitely a, a memorable moment. And that was just right out here, out in Pompano, uh, or where? Yeah. Whereabouts? Yeah. yeah that right was there. Literally, uh, Blue Roof. Yeah. Uh, you know where that is? Jim Moran's house. Yeah. Just uh, just north of the inlet. It was right off, right off of the blue roof and a couple hundred feet of water. That's cool, man. They get a good run of wahoo there. For we some take that reason. thing out sword fishing, jug fuel out with us. And really? Yeah. You hook any swords on that thing? And it- no, that was <laughs> we hooked hooked and caught plenty on the conch. Yeah, some phenomenal uh, trips on that. Um, but the it was the learning on the mako. Yeah. Going back to preparation, it was the learning on the mako that contributed to the success. Right. That we saw like nighttime sword fishing on the conch. Yeah, daytime sword fishing was wasn't even a thing back then. Yeah, um, that's kind of something you've seen grow over time, right? Like yeah, you know, I mean, um, I've been nighttime sword fishing maybe once within the last five years. Yeah, um, but it's, it's it was always a lot of fun because of what you get to experience and see at night. It's beautiful out there. Right, the stuff that would swim up in the lights. Um, and we used to believe it or not back when the commercial fishery was here, um, and you could actually long line in South Florida, we used to catch some of the best fish at night while that was going on. And I don't know if that was partly because, you know, um, maybe some of the smaller fish were getting picked through, you know, with the long liners, but I had, uh, I had one night where we, we hooked a double header of two fifties on the conch, uh, caught one lost one right at the boat to my buddy i said you want to give it one more shot said, sure we ran down to like the 57 58 line yeah put the baits back in all of a sudden you hear the clip on the uh, tip rod on the transom <laughs> like three hours and 15 minutes later we put the harpoon in like a 350 whoa yeah that that's was, a lot of meat man that, that was that was uh that was a pretty new moon or full moon night so long ago yeah i I couldn't tell you but where (laughs) i was going with that is um you know bobby boyle obviously was a huge played a huge role in the daytime fishery out here and kind of just discovering it and mastering it and i you know guys have moved away from the nighttime because typically you know you're seeing better quality fish caught um on the daytime stuff but the nighttime is a ton of fun yeah ton of fun you get a little delirious out there and then <laughs> having fun with the boys Man, we used to yeah <laughs> i was much younger when i was doing that and yeah we'd spend all night we'd be out there at sundown we'd fish till three four five in the morning come home somehow i'd get myself together to be productive for the day and then we'd go right back out again the next night. Were you teaching students at the time? Or we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, 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 the teaching, so the teaching uh, tenure only lasted uh, uh, half a year. Because okay. right about the time that I was starting to get rolling, to, I got started in the classroom, was when the tournament's summer series started 
to take off. Okay. And I knew that I had to make a decision. Like I couldn't, I couldn't accomplish what I needed to or wanted to with the tournaments being in the right. classroom. And I also, the kids, I owed it to the kids, yeah. you know, to be present if, if I was going to obviously, you know, be leading the class. So, um, so I made the decision. You should have seen that conversation in the hallway of my parents' house when I, oh, yeah. I told them I was, uh, was going to take a shot at running fishing tournaments <laughs> after they had put me through University of Florida and a yeah. master's at Nova Southeastern. They're like, what? They were, they were like supportively looking at me like, Hmm, I'm not <laughs> sure how that's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it's worked out for sure yeah. now, man. Hey, listen, they're still involved in my in my tournaments to this day at, that's at awesome. uh, 79 and 78 years old. Wow. It's a, it's definitely a family affair. Dude, that's a blessing, man. It that's is. awesome. My, you know, my wife's a, she's a full-time school-based psychologist, but yeah. she's at all the tournaments. The godparents to my kids um, who walked in the Tackle Depot the first year of the tournament to fish it or um, – Lynn is is a part time admin assistant for me now. Okay, her and Ronnie are, are godparents to my kids. So, yeah, we've got we have people that are that are still involved in our tournaments today. Yeah, that were at the first tournament twenty eight years ago. That's incredible, man. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, it's, so it's been it's been quite a quite quite a journey. Yeah, that's inspiring, man. I mean, and look where you've gotten now. You know, your tournaments are the tournaments to be in. People want the rings. People want the jackets. You know, and. Now you're working with the Dolphins. It's incredible, yeah, man. No, I, we're, uh, I'm honored that they, you know, Paul Castronovo is a good buddy of mine, uh, also a fellow Gator. Go Gators. Uh, no disrespect uh, if you're a Hurricanes fan or a Seminole fan. That's uh, all good, uh, man. i got to give love to my alma mater. Um, but uh, And then Jeff Peck, who's really good friends with uh, – with, um, Jeff Peck, who's really good friends with uh, Paul, and, and uh, I know him from fishing the Miami Dolphins. We've actually won that tournament twice. Okay. Had to fly on the team plane with the Dolphins. That's I'm cool. about a super cool experience. Yeah. Um, but uh, so it took a hiatus and they shelved it during COVID. Um, it's back now. They're off, you know, last year. Um, huge pro guaranteed prize structure, over $100,000. You had uh, like Captain Dean Panos, Double D. Fishing yeah. was even slow. They caught a, a tuna and a king. And the Dolphins wrote him a check for, I think, like 55000 Whoa. Two fish. <laughs> That's, dude, what? Two fish? Young Guns, <laughs> young guns caught one 18-pound wahoo in the tournament and got a yeah. check for twenty grand. That's awesome, man. Um, most unbelievable party I've ever witnessed in a fishing tournament happened that night. Have you? Really? Have you? Uh, so, so you're down this way, right? You're yep. in the. Uh, have you been to Regatta Grove yet? Yeah, yeah, I've been down there. That's where the that's where the uh, awards party was that okay. Saturday night, and it fi they had a fireworks show. Dude, the whole that's deal. cool. So that'll be back. Um, that's going to be back the first weekend of June. Okay. Mark your calendars for that. I'm yeah, telling you, we'll be there. Uh, if you're a Dolphins fan, dude. Even better. The stock is rising, huh? <laughs> yeah. The stock is rising. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's, it's going to be an, an epic tournament. They they had the full LED screen on the stage with the players, and then the winners were coming up, and they were blasting them with the smoke. Oh, that's you cool. You felt like you were at like if even the you guys were rock. winning the tournaments, like yeah, they felt like they were like they they were accepting like rings for the Super Bowl or something. You know, it was super super cool. So yeah, no, I I. Uh, I mean, I appreciate hearing you say like the way that you feel like we are kind of respected and viewed in terms of the caliber of our events. But honestly, like 
and I mean this when I say it, it's not just like, you know, sales pitch talk. Like I'm the same guy today that I was, you know, when I started these tournaments years ago in terms of what, what I want for the events. And that's right. That is, you know, my heart is always with the fishermen. Um, my, my biggest, I would say the toughest part for me when I really stepped out and, and took on some opportunities with the quest and some other things. I knew it was going to take me away from the competitive side of fishing, which was right. my passion. But I also felt like we could do something that, that I would be proud of for our fishing community yeah, and man. for the guys who do it and for the ladies who do it. And, you know, when the time comes, you know, that it's time for me to hang up my tournament hat. Um, Hopefully I don't want to use the word legacy, but like if there's ever a legacy, I think, you know, that's what I want to, be remembered for like is is a guy who is a is an organization yeah. who was here for the fishermen and you know wanted the best out of everything with the events for the fishermen um i'm sure we get a lot of jabs thrown at us on the sidelines because of success and that's just that comes with the territory but um well man i've talked to a lot of guys and your tournaments are what they want to be in and they don't even care about the money. Like I've talked to guys and they're like, dude, we just want those rings, man. We <laughs> want that jacket. We don't dude. Like you said, we're like, we're barely breaking even this season. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's about the prestige. And right. when you get a tournament that is able to accomplish that right. rather than people focusing on the money. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, that's and the thing. I think like, you did leave a legacy. Yeah. You will leave a legacy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you've, you know, that's what you said is, you know, very accurate in that like i know like what it meant for me going through the competitive experience and guys that i fished with and against you know art skip all those guys i've already mentioned like when you win something you really want it to mean something like you want to feel like there's no handout there's No. no participation trophy like when you step up on that stage to claim that trophy collect that check, put yeah. on those rings, put on that jacket. Like, especially in the case of the highest levels of achievement with the jacket and the rings, there's no, there's no other feeling like that. No. Uh, words can't describe what it's like. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's got to be about the process. Right. It's got to be about the experience that you go through with your friends, you know, everybody you're competing with. Yeah. Um, the memories that you make and the relationships that you forge along the way, it has to be about all that all the time. Right. Because I've seen it too many times when it, the focus becomes on the money or you get got the infighting with teams because they didn't discuss money up front. Yeah. You know, tough. Sometimes a lot of teams you have, you know, one person that's footing the bill for everything. It's rare. Like when I came up, when we fished, my guys put in. Yeah. Everybody put There's in. There's no money, man. There was like, like and if you, if you, you got out what you put in. Yeah. Um, couldn't, we couldn't do it any other way. Right? right. Um, and, but when you see some of this, but everybody knew where they stood on my team. Yeah. Up front. Okay. And I, f- I feel like that's when you don't have those conversations, you know, and, and people are starting to talk about the money or they didn't feel their check was as, as what it what they expected it to be yeah um those are the teams that don't last yeah you know because 
you wasn't about seen it. it wasn't about everything else. Yeah, and the focus was more on the money. Right, and you've probably seen it like oh, happen over and over in some of your tournaments where there's just they're good teams, but things happen and just yeah crumbles. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that's the that that might be the ugly side, and it, and that goes yeah. with any kind of competition. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. Money can bring out the best in competition, and it can also bring out the worst in people. You see them in super like high levels, right. like professional sports, like an NFL and stuff like that. And you know, and try being the guy dollars. who's you know, try being the person also. And, and that's where I like going back to you know, you're talking about running tournaments and the challenge. Yeah, saturation is one of them. Yeah, um, but there's certainly you know many others. You know, well, I think we're in a tough time right now between you know, fuel's expensive. I think, you know, you've got some people that are, you know, have some levels of confidence with the economy and stuff, yeah. you know, so we're dealing with certain people that may have more discretionary money to play money than others. And right. so the, the valuations and the factors are different, but like, you know, try being the person who on top of all that, like, you know, you have paying customers and then, and like in the case of sailfish tournaments, like where you have to review their video yeah. and, and determine, does it meet the criteria like required for validating a release. Right. Um, and we have sponsors that fish our tournaments. I've actually had to DQ sponsor releases. That's nuts. Um, and I'm wow. not talking small sponsors at times, yeah, yeah. you know, but I think that's like, as a tournament director, there's always times where you meet this crossroad where you can maybe do what's comfortable or you can decide to do what's right yeah and you know my 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 events have always been built on my reputation and integrity yeah and um whether like my my point of view has always been whether you're my somebody that i grew up fishing with you're my largest sponsor in the tournament or you're fishing my tournament for the first time and i've never met you rules are the same for everybody yep and as long as we stay consistent and how we enforce those rules and the interpretation, and we clearly communicate to our teams as to if we do have a situation like I just described, why it occurred. Um, it's not easy. I'm sure. But in the long run, the turn the fishermen respect it because there's one thing that I I, I believe confidently. If you were to poll all fishermen that fish our tournaments, yeah. do they ever have any concern about? Um, sportsmanship and fair play in our tournaments? No. Yeah. Because that's great. At the end of the day, yeah. Um, you know we we have a great team of people that are. We watch all the footage. Yeah. It's not like we just th take their card in and, and we do a song is. and yeah. a dance and like pretend like we watch the footage. No, no, you no, review no. it. We review it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, you ask JC, to. we review it. <laughs> and I'm not saying that in a bad way. No, no, like, no. Yeah. You, know, um, you have to. There's guys like, that I have to call at certain times and be like, I need, we don't have it. We don't have it on this card. Yeah. Do you have another card, you know, or do you have another camera um, and stuff like that? So yeah. um, they, they, they definitely know that it's not, uh, they can count on getting a fair shake. Yeah, when they sign up and fish our events. That's great, man. That's good. I mean, integrity is what you know is the bedrock of what a tournament tournament yeah. is essentially. Yeah. yeah, man. So I have a question for you as a tournament director, and 
I know we're going a little over time than what I promised you before, but it, <laughs> partly because of me, I'm no I, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I'll talk. It's awesome. I lo- I'm loving it. <laughs> um, as a tournament director, that big Marlin, I believe it was the Big Rock, right? Mm-hmm. The one that got sharked, that got DQ'd. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? You know what I'm talking about? Um, yeah, you know, honestly, like I don't know all of the details. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really never dove into the rules of what the tournament is. I can tell you in the case of my tournaments and my my our rules and how it would apply that mutilated fish don't count. Right. Um, it that wouldn't it count is. in my tournament. Um, did they DQ it or did it count? No, it didn't count. Okay. Yeah. And the reason that we don't allow a mutilated fish to count is because um, at the end of the day, a fight is intended to be a battle between the angler yeah. on the rod and the fish. And the fish has to have the opportunity to defend itself and to win that fight. Just right. the same way that the angler is doing it on the rod and reel. Yeah. At the point in time, a fish loses its ability to swim and or defend itself. There's no longer a fight taking place. It's like handing off you're the re- rod. Now you're reeling in a dead yeah. fish. Yeah. So the opportunity of losing that fish is over. Yeah. You know, um, and and that is why we do not allow dis, uh, mutilated fish to count. It makes sense. Now I can tell you, there's we will, I will look and examine a fish closely, if if called upon to do it to determine, like, if there was just a a glancing, like, couple of teeth marks out of a fish, yeah. or something like that, that would not like. Um, affect its ability. affect its ability to yeah. to survive and fight. Yeah, that could be a fish that we would still count. Right, but you know, I remember seeing that fish, and I mean, it, it looked like it was heavily mutilated. Yeah, um, that yeah, it's tough call. Total bummer for those guys. Yeah, I think where again going back to what we we're talking about, where you can get yourself into trouble is being inconsistent. Right. I don't know anything about the history of that tournament and past things that went on. I remember seeing and reading about like other outcomes and they were treated differently. I don't know if that's true or false. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure either, but, um, yeah, I think so long as any tournament is consistent with how they enforce a specific rule. Yeah. No team should have any, you know, teams should be satisfied. Right. They may not like the rule. But it is they may it prefer is. that it's it's different, but they know what the rule is going into it, and they know how it's going to be enforced. Yeah. Well, look, guys, this is what you can expect from Jamie and his team. Consistency, excellence, and the top-of-the-line tournaments in Florida and probably in the country. They're some of the best guys. Jamie, thank you so much for coming in today, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure. You, yeah. I think you guys have a, a, a great uh, podcast that you've gotten started here. Thank you. Obviously, the IG channel uh, is has got a great following. So appreciate that. Um, any opportunity to uh, talk shop about fishing and fishing sure. tournaments and anything that uh, contributes to the growth of our sport, I'm all in. Absolutely, man. We'll be there. Hopefully, we can fish a tournament. 
yeah. science efficiency. Florida Cup, there, uh, Florida Cup early registration is open until December first. Okay. Quest for the Crest registration will be opening November fifteenth, and then obviously the summer stuff starts to hit in uh, February March. So you can find us uh, at BlueWaterMovements.com at Fish Blue Water. Uh, we got a killer fish blue water YouTube channel. In fact, uh, I'm going fishing tomorrow with Mr. Mike Holiday from Captains for Clean Water. There you go. We see had if, him on the show. See if I can't put myself Captain a little Chris. slot snook in the boat. Come on, Mike. Come <laughs> on, Mike. Let's do this. There you go, man. Well, you guys got to check them out. They have awesome stuff going on. Check out their videos. I watch them. Go to fish the tournaments, guys, and see you next time. Thanks for joining us on CCO's The Science of Fishing. We hope that this episode was helpful and you learned something for the next time you're wedding a line. Before we cast off, a special thanks to our sponsors, Sea Mule and Black Reef Co. Stay hooked by following us on social media at Science of Fishing and hitting the subscribe button. And if you know someone who'd enjoy this, don't hesitate to share. Until we meet again, catch them up.